From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 279 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story... Right now, vaccines are being administered to select people throughout U.S. hospitals and healthcare systems. But companies are preparing for the moment the shots are more widely available and getting ready for the challenge of vaccinating millions of workers. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine is expected to gain clearance from the Food and Drug Administration as soon as today. That's after a panel of outside advisors backed authorizing the drug yesterday in a 20-0 vote, with one abstention. FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn said that the agency will work quickly toward authorizing the vaccine. The European Commission has doubled its order of Moderna shots to 160 million doses. The first COVID-19 shots have already been given to more than 1.1 million people in four countries, according to data collected by Bloomberg. It's the start of the biggest vaccination campaign in history and one of the largest logistical challenges ever undertaken. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine was rolled out this week, beginning with healthcare workers. And 24 states reported the first 49,567 doses administered. Those numbers are expected to surge in coming days, as more states work through their early allocation of shots and begin to report their numbers. Finally, Some U.S. states say the federal government has cut their allocations of the Pfizer vaccine for next week without explanation. Oregon's allotment of Pfizer doses for next week was cut by 40 percent, according to Governor Kate Brown in a tweet on Thursday evening. Washington state had been expecting more than 74,000 doses of the shot for next week. But Operation Warp Speed, The U.S. Vaccine Development Program told them the state would receive 44,850 instead. Before the Pfizer vaccine began to roll out this week, states reported widespread confusion and frequently changing estimates for how many doses they should expect. In a statement on Thursday, Washington state officials said they were not given an explanation as to why the state's allocation was reduced and they don't know how much they'll be allocated beyond next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, 
A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And now for today's main story. U.S. companies are taking some of the first concrete steps to prepare for the unprecedented and complex task of distributing hundreds of millions of doses to the American workforce. For some, that means procuring deep freezers to store vaccines or setting up health clinics at their facilities. Others are weighing whether to require vaccination for employees returning to in-person work. Several industries are lobbying to get their workers near the front of the line after the first doses go to healthcare workers and nursing home residents. I spoke to Ryan Bean about a crucial vector for vaccine distribution, the American workplace. So, Ryan, what are some of the companies or even industries that have discussed that they may make vaccines available to their employees and How exactly are they going to be doing this? It's still very much a working problem, if you will. But, you know, some companies have started to take some of the first concrete steps to to prepare for uh, their turn, if you will, um, in the vaccine distribution process. So Ford Motor Company has gone out and purchased about a dozen uh, ultra cold deep freezers that are capable of storing the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines at like Arctic like temperatures of negative 70 degrees Celsius, negative 40 degrees Celsius. And they're keeping them in their facilities for the eventual point at which they will be able to distribute the vaccine to their workers. Uh, Sanderson Farms, one of the largest poultry producers, they've already set up health clinics to uh, provide COVID testing for their workers at their uh, at their facilities. And right now they plan to administer vaccines at those facilities, too, for employers who want them. And uh, a lot of companies that we spoke to said that, you know, they were reluctant to comment and they declined to comment just because they're still trying to figure this out. There's still a lot of work that needs to happen at the federal and state levels uh, to you know provide companies with additional clarity about when they might have access to vac- to vaccines for their workers, how they will receive those vaccines. A lot of companies are still waiting to see sort of how these pieces all come together to figure out how they fit in. I mean, do these companies, whether or not they've announced any formal plan of distributing or making these vaccines available, have these companies announced any timeline as far as when they expect to receive doses of these vaccines or even to make these plans in effect or essentially roll out these plans, um, I assume, in 2021? Not really, actually. Uh, the companies that do talk about their plans, they what they lack is uh, clarity in terms of timing. And I think that's a reflection of the lack of clarity in terms of timing and availability that we're seeing from the federal level as these vaccines continue to go through the FDA approval process and as the FDA advisory committee that creates recommendations about which groups of society, which uh, segments of the workforce, which portions of the population are. Uh, should receive priority for whichever vaccines um, become available. Uh, Keep in mind that right now uh, that advisory board has basically only 
set recommendations for the very, very first uh, distributions of vaccines, which they've said should go to uh, healthcare workers, at-risk healthcare workers, and uh, folks in long-term care facilities like nursing homes, where we saw some of the biggest, most deadly outbreaks early on in the pandemic. As more vaccines go through that process, uh, I think we'll have a better sense, and I think companies will have a better sense of the timing of the distribution. Now, in addition to timelines, and you already mentioned this a little bit, in terms of the actual equipment and logistics needed for storing and and even distributing these vaccines. I mean, Pfizer's vaccine unto itself requires quite low temperatures that a normal refrigerator cannot really accommodate. So I was wondering just if you might go into some of the specifics about the equipment that is needed to store this vaccine by a company, how they are acquiring the special equipment, which understandably is going to be quite in demand over the next coming months. Sure. I spoke to uh, an executive at a a smaller uh, specialty freezer manufacturer uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. They're working around the clock to fulfill, you know, skyrocketing demand for their specialty ultra cold freezers. That's the sort of the term of art for these types of specialty freezers that are needed to store the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So he's seen, you know, demand, you know, just go through the roof for these devices, um, even from companies that that never needed these types of freezers before. Mom and pop pharmacies, uh, small independent corner pharmacies that aren't part of the big chains like CVS, or Rite Aid, or Walgreens, are ordering these at a fairly rapid clip because you know they anticipate being part of the distribution process as well at some point. Uh, he, he, most of the demand that he's seen is coming from uh, hospital systems, obviously labs, um, you know, big pharmacy chains, etc. Are some companies or industries in particular trying to, say, move to the front of the line, maybe get the vaccine sooner than others? And I'm wondering if this is particularly the case for industries that have been hard hit by the pandemic. Um, We haven't talked about it yet, but but say the airlines or even those in the food industry. Yeah, no, you hit on two of the primary groups that we've seen advocate for uh, getting, I don't want to say the front of the line because pretty much everyone agrees that uh, the front of the line is our, our, our healthcare workers and long-term care residents are the front of the line. Um, but we are seeing, uh, you know, some, you know, some industries advocate to get their workers nearer to the front of the line, uh, particularly those in the food industry. We've seen uh, both lobbying organizations, uh, trade associations, and and unions all advocating to get for example, meatpacking workers to get them priority status uh, because they are frontline essential workers. Uh, We've seen the same from airlines, the primary trade association for uh, big airlines like Southwest Airlines and uh, and and Delta, for example. They've they've urged, you know, federal policymakers to, you know, treat frontline airline workers like flight attendants and pilots and gate agents and everything like that, uh, you know, as essential workers to get them priority for a vaccine. Um, A lot of the activity, as you point out, though, has come from the food sector. I mean, there are uh, keep in mind uh, meatpacking plants in particular were some of the hardest hit workers and 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 workplaces uh, early on in the pandemic, uh, we saw you know multiple shutdowns and big outbreaks at at major meat processing facilities that created the potential for food shortages. So uh, yeah, 
organizations that represent workers in those groups and uh, are, are definitely advocating to get their workers, uh, you know, uh, priority status for vaccine distribution as soon as possible. So one angle to companies making a vaccine available to their employees might be that they will require employees to receive the vaccine. Have you heard about anything along those lines in terms of a requirement for employees to get vaccinated? So it, it's kind of a tricky situation. Um, so let's just take a step back. So, you know, polling has shown that there's actually a pretty significant degree of uh, apprehension or reluctance among Americans to actually you know, get this vaccine once it's available. So if you couple that with, you know, companies trying to you know, consider whether or not they need to make it a requirement of employment, if, if companies are going to you know, mandate that their workers get a vaccine, I mean, you know, companies can't run the risk of losing a lot of their workers uh, if that reluctance or apprehension sort of hardens into an outright refusal to receive the vaccine. Right. So uh, it, companies, by and large, that, 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 that we've spoken to anyway and employer groups that we've spoken to uh, have said that m- most employers are, are, are not going to make it mandatory. They're going to make it voluntary, but strongly encourage their employees to get this vaccine. Um, And uh, some companies uh, are going to sort of lead by example. Um, uh, Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian said on NBC's Today Show that, you know, he can't wait to get a vaccine. So uh, you're hearing some messaging like that from the C-suite at at lots of companies. The CEO of Sanderson Farms said that, uh, you know, he plans to get vaccinated on video and then share that video with company employees to encourage them to do the same. And some of the experts that I've spoken to said that, you know, that's a really important part of what companies need to do in terms of educating and uh, messaging and leading by example to make sure that, you know, that that folks actually do go ahead and get vaccinated. So, Ryan, finally, you know, we've largely been talking about companies that are either national or even international that have the resources to either acquire and or distribute vaccines to their employees or even beyond. But does that perhaps edge out smaller companies from from getting the vaccine as quickly? Or what have you heard about smaller companies in terms of potentially getting ready for the availability of a vaccine? Well, I mean, it certainly could. I mean, keep in mind, a lot of this stuff, we still have to see how it all plays out. But, you know, that being said, uh, it, it, it's it's a really big challenge for small businesses. I mean, especially small small businesses like restaurants, independent bars, um, you know, just, you know, with a few dozen employees or 20 employees. I mean, they don't have the kind of, uh, you know, lobbying budgets that big companies do to go talk to the FDA and, you know, send letters and... And, and, and do all of the advocacy that a lot of the big companies are doing right now, particularly in the food industry and the airline industry that we've mentioned earlier, to you know advocate for their workers to get front of the line status. There are trade associations that are doing that, and there are small business groups that are trying to represent uh, you know these, these smaller employers to make sure that they're not overlooked and to make sure that the vaccine distribution plan is equitable. But yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, these smaller companies have had to deal with, you know, potential, you know, uh, uh, outbreaks among their workforce and, you know, particularly in the bar and restaurant industry. I mean, I'm sure there's 
the situation is, is the same, you know, nationally, but it's just a huge challenge for these business operators to, you know, to manage all of this with, you know, capacity restrictions and, you know, limited indoor dining. And so adding on top of that, this question about how they as employers can make a vaccine available to their workers, it's just, it's, it's tough. That was Ryan Bean. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Ryan Bean. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.